again, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Trial by Fire. Jeremias and I are here uh, to talk to you guys today about... Uh, God, what are we here to talk about, Jeremias? It's it's a really wide uh, episode. Um, well, at least, it, yeah, yeah. It it is it it really is and and we had we both had to listen back to it to sort of I guess realize ourselves what value this might bring to our listeners you guys uh, and relate it back to the outdoors and bushcraft and nature and everything like that but it, it was one of these episodes that was hard to really describe the value of it as soon as we stopped recording like coming down to hannah and saying like oh this was a really good podcast it was really nice interview we talked about this 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 and you know you can relate it to this but this time it was a lot harder because it was so uh what's the word for it it was so uh abstract but it has a lot of value to us being outside and especially with the social media uh, game that we're all sort of a part of for better and wor- or worse. Was there anything that you took from it that um, I suppose didn't, wasn't immediately obvious at the time, but yeah, the interview was extremely interesting to do because it's sort of, it was out of my comfort zone because it's like photography and, and, and documenting and everything is something that I like doing. Um, but I've never really talked to a person that is a professional within it. So I, don't, I didn't really know what to expect or, or how to approach it. But listen back to it and getting an idea of what we actually talked about and putting, like taking a step away from it there was so much to take away from it that had nothing to do with only photography or documenting and everything. I realized that I kept on asking the same question of uh, refer or referring back to this three-day hiking trip. But in my head, it made perfect sense to sort of relay back to that one and see if we got anywhere from this. Oh, it it would not be interesting from a reader's perspective to read about that but then seeing throughout the conversation could we get anywhere with that you know very mundane activity that uh, all of us like doing hopefully um but it was and, and w- within that sort of journey to make that three-day hike a exciting thing for not just yourself, but for your readers or followers or whatever it might be, the lessons of of uh, finding a story in people rather than just the activity and sharing the story of yourself as a person rather than just cool photos of knives and campfires, for example, sort of speaks volumes when it comes to reaching out to people and sharing something and even being a a teacher instructor or guide or something like that like sure you can just say the most mundane thing of this is how you do something but show a little bit more of yourself show a little bit more of you as a person because that will always be more interesting than just a cool photo 
Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, the, 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 the original reason why I did want to interview Spike was because he was offering, um, he was offering free advice and free information online about how to be, how to, well, first of all, get clients and how to carve yourself a career as a freelance sort of video, uh, photojournalist or journalist, you know, in that sort of spectrum. And it's something that I think there was quite a crossover, at least from what I've seen with within the outdoor industry, particularly when you, when you look at like social media and Instagram and things, because I think they're almost separate things. Um, there's, there's the individual pursuit of knowledge and gaining skill, a skill set as an outdoors person or someone who wants to like, well, I'm just speaking personally here, but somebody who wants to, okay, what's the goal for the next six months? It's like become better at, uh, you know, identifying wild, wild edibles, or it's someone who wants to learn how to bow drill, or it could be anything, you know, and, and that there's a skill set there. That's like a personal kind of, um, a personal journey, so to speak, of like your outdoor experience and your outdoor skill set and your outdoor knowledge. But then on top of that, there is the persona of your your social media profile, your Instagram and things. And some people are and it's it's weird because some people are really, really knowledgeable, but they're really, really bad at social media. And then there's other people that are really, really fucking good at social media, but like actually are not particularly skilled or like knowledgeable, but they're just really good at selling ideas or selling like, you know, um, themselves as like as some sort of like personality. And the thing that I really enjoyed about Spike is that he kind of has both, that he's a really uh, good photographer. He's a really, you know, good writer and video journalist and stuff and then also is really articulate and really good has a really interesting kind of social media profile and is really good at imparting good information about how to present yourself how to pitch how to get get clients how you know and all this kind of thing and i, I saw this crossover um however peripheral it might be and i just feel felt like it was going to be someone who could probably have some really inf- like interesting information to share with someone whether it's someone who wants to you know pursue a sideline career in outdoor photography who is maybe on on their day job like a an arborist or a construction worker or a freaking whatever a truck driver you know um and i don't think i articulated that very well in the interview so it's it was a little bit of my shortcoming but in in hindsight that's kind of i think where my head was at Oh, I really liked the, I really liked the interview. He is a great guy, a wealth of knowledge, and a good person to just bounce ideas off of when it comes to how to do something. I mean, everything when it comes to creativity or writing or photography or videography or editing and things like that. It is an artistic freedom that you as a creator have to do. So there's no necessarily right or wrong in that, but there are definitely concepts that whether you're trying to be an instructor, whether you're trying to make it on social media as a, as a bushcraft guru or whatever it is that your goal is, there are lessons or ideas within this interview that you can take to heart and uh, 
play around with. For sure. I mean, I think it was, I think the three of us were trying to find the narrative within which that we were trying to think or trying to present the work. But then I think at the same time, I kind of trust the audience, you guys listening to this, I kind of trust that you can probably take from this interview or this conversation really more than an interview. It was kind of, I feel like it was more of a conversation between the three of us. Um, there's value in there that you can take that is relevant to yourself. That isn't necessarily, I don't need to be like, Hey, this is for people who are want to do this or this, you know, I think it's, I think we can also trust the listener in understanding that all three of us were just having a, a kind of a semi-abstract conversation with the shared interest of, let's say, let's say the the overarching bubble is sort of a creativity and b the desire to be articulate and compelling in the way in which that we present ourselves, whether that's on social media, whether that's in paid work, etc. And creating stories. And creating stories, exactly. I, yeah. I mean, whether even if it, even if our main business, mine and Hannah's main business, is tourism industry, uh, to have fun and to give a good experience to guests, we believe that a good story is just as important as anything else, really. Because you can have, you know, you could be the guide, if you will, that. Just stands behind the sled, don't say a word to the guests. Or you can be a storyteller. You can tell them about the landscape you're traveling. You can tell them about the dogs. You can sort of weave all of these things in together. And yeah, it is. It's it's a lot of fun telling stories. It's a lot of fun being the storyteller. It's a lot of fun being a a creative person. Whether it's good or bad, it's not you know for me to judge. But it's fun playing with these things it is and i think um obviously there's there's a very well-known sort of idea that it's it's nothing new to you know nothing i'm saying here is anything new but as humans we enjoy stories we're storytellers we are good at telling stories and that's how we pass on information it's how we pass on knowledge it's how we pass on history you know everything that has ever been done or said has been passed down through stories we tell stories every day and they can be as simple as um you'll never guess what happened to me on my way into work today talking to a co-worker and it's like what well <laughs> let me tell you so i was getting on the bus blah 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 blah. we are storytellers as inbuilt into us i think it defines us from any other you know the ability to use language and the ability to be able to craft a story from our brains and to be able to impart it onto somebody else that is a human trait and i think whether or not we even realize it most of the time we're telling stories and i think one of the things that i love about what you and hannah do is you're really fucking good at that and it comes naturally to you and i think that also separates the i mean there's a reason why people come to northern soul journeys to take a guided tour it's not because you're the cheapest it's not because you're the first one that comes up on google it's not because you're whatever it's probably because man you're selling something beautiful whether that's true your instagram whether that's true facebook whether that's true the tourism companies that you work with the compel the, the you know the compelling narrative and the, the the lifestyle and the ideal sort of story that you're telling there that's what brings people 
to the north to you guys specifically and i think you guys are really good at that you know i mean thank you but i, I and i i would hope so but we uh, work with tour agents for the most part and they are our friends so i would hope that they sort of um see the value in that as we're trying to portray i guess but who knows people are coming because people are coming people are selling because people are selling but i just hope that the ones that end up here uh will have a good time and uh enjoy our story if you can hone the ability to be able to bring that to someone in a really compelling way um I'm just thinking about, uh, and it's just, just off the top of my head, and I'm kind of thinking out loud here, but I remember um, I had an English teacher in, in secondary school, and one of his punishments was, like, if we were, I don't know, if we didn't do our homework or if we were whatever, to, you know, we would have to the following day present to him an essay, and he would choose the uh, the title of the essay. And one of the ones that he loved giving to people was, the secret world inside a golf ball. And man, how the hell do you write about the secret world inside a golf ball, you know? Um, but a very simple, stupid object like a golf ball. I mean, I remember some of the kids, like, would you know, we'd have to read out in, in class, like the, the essay, like at the beginning and stuff. And it actually pulled out some fucking amazing stories from like, peers like kids you know and i'm like god damn that was that was fucking funny like or that was interesting or whatever and it was like obviously out of them having to do an extra freaking essay when they got home but i think we can push ourselves to think a little bit more laterally i think sometimes and for me that was kind of what i got from it was that it doesn't always have to be an extraordinary adventure it can be a very simple journey, but told in a very personal way that is actually quite interesting. And it doesn't have to be like, I think the example we were talking about Wim Hof doing, walking up a mountain barefoot, it's like, that's an ex- that's a quest. That's like a freaking, you know, that's a documentary. I'm not trying to write a documentary. I'm trying to tell a personal story and 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 another thing that i took from it was um and i I suppose this is more of an aesthetic thing but one of the things that i really love about spike's photography work is um the sort of the unpolished candid grit that is that comes through in in the in the in the in the pictures themselves and I find, and this is not a criticism on the industry or whatever, because obviously, you know, everybody, there's some beautiful photographers out there, but I think for me, the outdoor industry is becoming overly polished, um, particularly people that are photographing products for companies, um, or are doing, you know, whether it's paid or otherwise. And I feel like the, there's a certain standard of, tone and grit and stuff that people are trying to replicate from each other to the point where the outdoor photographic style has been completely homogenized to the point where you can't tell one person's photo from another um this sort of heavy tones and like dark blacks and you know all of this kind of thing and what i love about spike's work is that he's shooting analog black and white film sometimes double exposures 
that are grainy as fuck that like in some ways make no sense you have to like explore the image you have to figure out what the hell is this oh it's like oh i can see in the background is like a couple of people and then it's like a double exposure over somebody's feet or whatever it might be and i would love to be able to because i shoot analog photography myself i have an instagram page completely dedicated to my analog photography and i would love to be able to introduce some of the aesthetic disciplines that i've been able to establish myself in the analog stuff that i do into the outdoor photography where it feels much more authentic it feels much more sort of candid and it feels much more real and i would love to uh, have a work, body of work that is out purely outdoor related that feels fucking candid um so that is something that i would like to actively pursue kind of this year is to like not have such polished work the whole time because it's boring quite frankly i think yeah i mean uh that's the beauty that of was art- a bit of a rant, that, sorry. that's the beauty of artistic freedom that uh and also being your own judge that you know you're everyone uh is every, everyone's taste is different and what works right now works right now maybe because it's trending or because people really like it or it is just a fad and it might go over or it might not like this this is what i find so interesting with photography and all of these things is because it, it is just that it 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 is sort of has its life of its own, uh, and writing and videography and everything sort of has its life of its own. Of course, there are trends and things like that, but those trends are also just moving forward. And in the end, you'll see you'll see accounts or or people or whatever it is just following different trends, and it's or at, at, sometimes it comes to that stuff. And then you see accounts that are just doing their own thing with this. Um, what was the word you were using? Candidness. That is just slow, low key going, but just steadily, steadily strong and high quality stuff. It becomes more quality over quantity. And I guess that's that's sort of a little bit what we talked about as well good quality and uh, taking time to do your yeah do your things that you find valuable it was a really cool chat with spike um i left feeling like i learned a lot um from his sort of expertise and his kind of level of thinking um and i hope you guys enjoy it yeah definitely because i did yeah yeah because i definitely enjoyed it as I said at the beginning of this episode, he has a lot of really good free resources on his website, including, um, you know, how to find clients, how to carve a freelance career for yourself, how to pitch, um, really, really, really interesting co- uh, content. Um, so yeah, so check that out and follow Spike on Instagram if you get a chance, because I think his work is really cool on top of everything else. Um, We've been pretty slow in terms of like uploading um, this year. Totally aware of that. But rest assured, Yermius and I are working on some pretty interesting stuff that I think you guys are going to be interested in. Um, Don't want to give away too much right now, but it involves 
um, information, podcasting information that you should find useful. Um, yeah, we're, we're, we're kind of, I feel like it's almost like a trial by fire 2.0. Um, it's a different model, but you know, the podcast isn't going anywhere. We're, we'll still be doing our interviews and things like that, but there's going to be other stuff on top of that, that you can, uh, opt into and we'll, we'll give you, we'll drip feed you that shit. Um, as it, uh, as it becomes relevant, but until then, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode or this interview. Um, as I said, keep your mind open. It's a little bit peripheral. It's not strictly outdoors related, but there's definitely elements and themes in there that I think people will find relevant. So, um, yeah. And if, and if you find it, the interview, uh, useful or informative or whatever, please get in contact and let us know uh, how you felt about it, because uh, I'm sure Spike would like to know about it too. So, uh, you yeah, can so f- uh, e- easiest do that on on the uh, trial by fire Instagram. It's the easiest place yep. to reach us with yeah. all of the feedback that you have on this episode or previous episodes. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm I'm really bad at using that page, that channel. So, uh, if you message me on there, it will make me more inclined to use it. So, <laughs> so <laughs> get get in contact on uh, at Trial by Fire, or I think it's the Trial by Fire podcast on Instagram. So, um, yeah. But enjoy the interview, and from me here in Finland, I want to say uh, have a great early spring, and we'll talk soon. Talk soon. Take care, guys. So, do you uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about your yourself, Spike? We're sort of uh, just rambling here, I guess. Sure. I am a journalist. I'm a photographer, and I'm, I'm also a videographer, and I write a little bit too. So, over the years, I've struggled to find a label for myself. Really, I mean, introducing myself that way is always a mouthful. So, I tend to refer my to myself as a documentary producer now something mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. um and that is it encompasses um making short films for um for web outlets or making still photos for print magazines like the guardian or the telegraph or the new york times uh, or longer form stuff for tv like the history channel and um, PBS over here, you know, in America, I live in, in Texas. Um, and I've been doing it for 12 years, fully freelance mm-hmm. and, uh, and it's good, good life. Yeah. Seems cool, man. And your mace was only making, that's impressive. Yeah, 12 years. Yeah. He was only making the point there that to be able to be freelance for such a long period of time, uh, consistently is, is speaks, I suppose, to the quality of the, of the work that you're producing. So that's, that's pretty cool man thanks i think and to be relevant yeah. as well like i can imagine sure, the sure the the freelance journalism uh field is sort of like any other tech type of field right now where you know to take it down to a very very simple thing i guess of everyone became a photographer when the uh, cameras on 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 their phones got good enough so being able to stay ahead of that sort of mob coming behind you constantly for 12 years is <laughs> that is quite impressive because i think like everyone is is at one point or at, in in some level trying to always better themselves to make sure that they are not overrun by teenager with a phone for lack of a better analogy or term 
Yeah, the key has been. Uh, you're right. It is always trying to stay ahead of um, of the iPhone, or just just the barrier to entry for, for with photography is much is is lower and lower all the time. In terms of um, you know, cameras are cheaper and the, the quality is better now with cheaper cameras, and people are putting more time into learning and chasing um side hustles or whatever or um or um uh hobby photography you know so so i just feel like the the quality of the amateur photography is just always increasing um the key for me has been diversification of medium so um learning the video there's a much higher barrier to entry with video um getting good at um you know with sound recording and with um editing video that's really really tough but also i think the thing that has kept me afloat is being willing to take risks that others aren't and to go to the places that other people cannot or are not willing to go so that's where that's where my niche has been really for 12 years is going to either very um physically difficult places to get to or very very dangerous places to go to Mm -hmm. yeah no i mean it's interesting that you were saying there about the uh about like the the skill set that's required i mean just coming from for myself as a as a graphic designer uh one of some of the things that i would have heard from my tutors or or maybe some uh some people that were maybe a couple of years ahead of me was that, Oh, when, when we were came out of college, it was about typographic layouts. It was about, uh, you know, uh, learning your A, B and C, but now it's like, you have to be a video edit, you know, editor, you have to be a motion graphic designer. You have to be a photographer. You have to be a editorial layout designer and all of these things on top of understanding every Adobe program that's out there. So, I can totally imagine what you're talking about there with the the technology trying to kind of stay on top of things. But I think ultimately the tools are not the defining factor clearly because everybody has the same access to the same tools as you do. And I think what you're saying there is, is really cool in the sense that you're trying, you're approaching or you're going to places that maybe people are not able to go to. And I think it's one of the things that you, you bring up very often in, in the work that you've produced is like, one of, one of the key pieces of advice that I took from from the PDFs that you have online is that uh, being able to go to the places that are impossible for the regular person or the ordinary person to either try to go to or maybe they're afraid to. Yeah, yeah, that's the key, I think. And it's similar to, to you know, your guys' niche in, in adventure or outdoors. You know, if I read an outdoor story um, or blog or something by a person who um you know maybe they've walked up snowdonia in a couple of days that's interesting it you know but i would rather read about the guy who has gone up and down everest or or ross edgley who swam around the uk you know those are those are places that it takes so much effort and grit to go to so others can't follow yeah, I I I I agree with that. Yeah, to I agree with that a lot. Like it's always more fun to read about these 
big achievements, if you will, or these really tricky stories uh, or hard journeys that people been on. But I, I guess from a the average, if we look at our niche, for example, or just being in the outdoors industry and all of these things, can that Snowdonia hike that you just uh, mentioned, can there be a journalistic is maybe the the wrong term here uh or documentary is maybe also the wrong term but can there be a value for the reader of that blog reading that story even if it is a super mundane thing to do like is there a way to make the mundane the everyday like your personal journey into more of a documentary type interesting to watch and read story yeah yeah i yeah it's a great it's a good question i think so i think it depends on your audience but also i think uh if there is a danger in if every time we try to publish something as a media culture we're trying to outdo the last person you know because how far can we go i mean it and it turns into a, a really macho uh, publishing culture at that point, I think. So, I th- I think um, I think with the the everyday journey, absolutely, there's a there's a there's something to be said there. It's just figuring out, it, uh, it's just figuring out what that is, whether that's interesting to your audience, whether it's interesting to a publishing outlet. If you're using one, if you're not, you you can blog yourself, of course. Uh, it's just figuring out your message and then it's framing what you're it's framing that everyday journey in a way that is yeah it, it is attractive to your audience um, mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> I think knowing your audience there like you're saying is is probably the the biggest sort of uh the kind of the crux of that like you know yeah but i but i i kind of i would like to like just pull it back a little bit because um one one of the just for people who are listening um the main reason why i wanted to speak to you spike is because a i love your work i think your work is absolutely phenomenal and i love the i mean you have a, a fine art background as far as i understand and i think uh one of the things that i find interesting about your work is that there's a style there that's really unique and i think you're i've never seen someone with a fine art background um in the editorial space or in the sort of photojournalistic space and i think that's something really unique about your work i think it the sort of um double exposure style that you do to your kind of photography and stuff is really really interesting but um for people who are listening i, I actually found a pdf online that you have freely produced uh, or freely kind of distributed to people and it's about how to build a freelance career um so for people who are kind of wanting to get into journalism or independent journalism people that want to maybe write or photograph or whatever they might want to do you've kind of laid out a really beautiful framework for someone that maybe doesn't know where to start with this and i would include myself in this and in, in included because uh coming from as i said coming from a design background and kind of working in the graphic design industry for 10 years um only in the last maybe three years have i been able to incorporate let's say the outdoors and my love of being outside and bushcraft and stuff into a way to sort of start to generate sort of um income and the thing that i really loved about 
the PDF and and the kind of the work that you're putting out is that it doesn't have to be uh, sort of burn your bridges, balls to the wall, quit your day job kind of thing, which is just sort of side hustle, sort of uh, fetishization for want of a better word. That's kind of about now you're offering really practical advice. And could you talk to us a little bit about why you chose to sort of produce this content or just, you know, this uh, freely available uh, sort of um, information and things like that? Because it's it's a really, really valuable uh, thing that I've read uh, recently and I really love it. Thanks, and it's man. for free. It is for yeah, free. It's free so, yeah, yeah, what's it's up what's up with that? That's that it's it's fantastic. <laughs> I, I'm gonna put a I'll put a link in the description of this uh, episode for anybody that's listening, so feel free to click on that. It brings you to Spike's website and it will show you that PDF and you can download it. But um could you talk yeah, to us a little bit thanks, about that mate. Spike? Yeah. It was um I found over the years when I go to make stories in various places on it didn't doesn't matter on whatever topic the question i always get the odd question about the narrative itself about whether mm-hmm. if it's a newsworthy product uh, project somebody for, for example I, a few years ago i went to ukraine ukraine is in the news right now i made yeah. loads of um loads of work in the trenches there in ukraine and i'd come back and people would ask what's it like for a couple of days but the question that always remains and has been constant for a decade is from other photographers or other filmmakers or or not even just members of the public, my mum, you know. Um, and that question is, how do you sell that work? How have you built that career? How do you operate as a as a freelancer? Where do you find your contacts? So there's so many like um, business questions around this um, profession that I was answering a lot of questions on Instagram from from people, and I thought an e I don't know I would probably probably wasn't doing a very good job of answering the questions by text on Instagram, so I thought I'd put together something that is helpful, um, you know, and a little bit of a guide. And I it. It's um, it was important to me not to give people irresponsible advice, not to tell people, yeah, just just try really hard, quit your job and freelance tomorrow, because <laughs> right, right, right. you could, you know, right, that will exactly. ruin people's lives. Sure, it's sure. that's not reality. What it, I think, what what is reality is that is that the only way into this is by doing it is by producing your own work to start with but the beauty of that is that you can dovetail it with your existing reality your existing career your existing domestic situation and make some really nice projects on the weekends or in the evenings or however you want to do it and then and maintain um, control of your work while you walk into this new career I would love to talk to you about those sort of peripheral skills. So the the idea of dovetailing, like you just kind of uh, kind of mentioned there, uh, the sort of the world or the career or the existence of what you've already sort of put the work into can always be uh, relevant. And I think uh, one of my favorite books that I've ever read is one called uh, Creative Confidence um, by the two uh, creators of the company called IDEO in the States. 
And sort of the main premise of the book is about how people in non, for quote unquote, non-creative jobs or non-creative roles have very creatively come up with novel solutions to problems within their very specific industry. Um, People like doctors or nurses or, you know, maintenance people where they've just been really come up with really ingenious ways of dovetailing their own skill set or their own thinking uh, and their own careers into sort of a creative output. And I think um, a lot of people have peripheral skills, the ability to present in front of people, for example, the, the ability to, I don't know, uh, code, the ability, like, like for me, like I'm terrible with numbers. I wish I was good at taxes and business and all that. If I had that sort of peripheral skill set, I think I'd be much more successful, <laughs> much more financially successful than I am. Um, and I have lots of friends, Jeremias included, who are very good at advising like, oh, well, you can apply for this and you can do that. And I think like if I had that as a freelance designer, um, I think I'd be doing much better. And I think people are much more creative than they give themselves credit for. And uh, I, I don't know. I feel like that's relevant somehow. Yeah, I think so. I think it is. And it's, it's, it's also about having, um, giving yourself, um, a, um, how do I put it? Um, not feeling like you have to have all the confidence in the world from day one. You can do things gradually. You can get a little motivation. You can go and photograph something on day one and see if it feels correct. If it doesn't, you take a step mm-hmm. back because no one's watching mm-hmm. at this point. It's just for you. Right. Um, but right. I also think you're, I think you're right. It, it applies to the, the methods that you're, speaking about in that pdf that i made and not necessarily only relevant to photos or video or writing it i mean you can it's applicable to like you say taxes or finances if you were working in a uh, as an accountant and you you wanted to start your own business doing other people's taxes then I'd say, yeah, you know, you do a little bit of it on Saturday and you see if it's correct. And if it's not, you, right. you know, right. it, it's, yeah. it's, yeah. 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 And I, I suppose what struck me, um, and it was funny because uh, the reason I found your PDF was actually true, obviously like a sponsored post on Instagram of all places, everybody communicates through Instagram these days. And uh, especially in sort of, at least myself and Jeremias' sort of, um, exposure to the bushcraft outdoor scene is through this social media platform and the reality of it is is that a lot of the people that we follow um the lot a lot of the the our friends trying to carve themselves some sort of niche in sort of a social media platform and i would say that of maybe of a hundred people maybe 10 people are doing something really unique and everybody else is sort of following a certain trend um but how and i suppose it kind of comes back to what Yermes was talking about there earlier about the the iphone and the technology how how um what's the word i'm trying to think of how, how much of an influence has instagram got today on on real sort of hard-hitting journalism and is it a platform that can be used properly or is it a platform that can be used if it's used properly or is it sort of uh sort of bringing the bar a little bit too low you know for for like photography for example oh that's a tough one (laughs) (laughs) 
Instagram's everything now, isn't it? Though, yeah, it's the good and the bad. I mean, it's it's for for visual media. Yeah, it's it's absolutely mm. everything. So I think, honestly, think it. Uh, I think it's a. I th- oh my goodness, how do I answer? Well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I see it. I don't see Instagram as a medium. Uh, no. I, okay, n- that's interesting. No, I see it. I see it as just a placeholder, a, as a holding mm. place for, for, you know, you've got the Guardian on there, or you've got World Press Photo Publishing on there. You've got Picture of the Year International, and that you know that's the best of the best photography, who mm. are who are just sharing their stuff on Instagram. It's just I see it as just an extension of people's websites. Honestly, I it just a, I see it just as a wall that people are tacking things onto. Um, right. <laughs> But I like it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. It's like let's bring let's I, bring it down. It's a wall to tack shit onto. <laughs> yeah, I really do feel like that. I really do feel like that. But uh, but but what is true in that though is it's just a very very big wall that everyone can tack shit on. So right. what you do right. see is more low quality stuff tacked on there because that is possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But. uh of course, it's so valid. I, I mean, Instagram as a whether you think it's a medium or a or a holding place or a, a wall to text stuff on. It is though, isn't it? What I, I mean, I don't. What else is it? Well, I, yeah, I mean, I suppose you're right because the thing is, I suppose people place so much weight on the platform itself. And if I'm honest, like myself included, I mean, the amount of work that's come my way, the amount of like, I mean, as, as literally talking to you now because of, because of it, um, you know, uh, all sorts of like photography jobs and, and, and like, uh, I think I have a lot to thank to Instagram as a, well, I consider it a platform. I know you're saying this like a wall, but I have a lot to thank to that sort of medium. Um, or sort of, maybe it's not a medium actually, you're right. Maybe it's more like a, God, I don't know what it is, but but I I have a lot to, to to thank for it. But I think is there's a game there where it's like playing that algorithm versus um, because I I see people that can go from I've I've literally seen it like two or three time times where someone has very like purposefully their intention has obviously been I'm gonna get ten thousand followers or I'm gonna get blah 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 blah. <laughs> With the intention of like, well, if I have that amount of followers, then I'm going to get free stuff and I'm going to get, you know, whatever amount of notoriety. But like, yeah, to what end? You know what I mean? It's like, and that's kind of the thing that I loved about your sort of PDF is it's like, it's very practical. And it's at the end of the day, it's about getting paid, isn't it? It's about paying your bills. It's about bringing, generating an income. Because I think a lot of companies right now are also exploiting um, people's desire to be tagged and to like share stuff and get free stuff on Instagram where they're generating very hard, real cash um, based off other people's sort of uh, effort or time or literally hours and energy uh, into a sort of an app, essentially. Yeah, you are. You are right. There is more to Instagram than just tagging, tacking stuff to a wall, isn't there? There's, it is a game. Yeah, it turns into a bit of a game. It's a game. And there's, yeah, it is a game. And I, I, I also, I w- I'd like to say I love it. Like it's, it's an amazing. I think that's what maybe it is. Maybe it's a tool. It's an amazing tool. Mm, it's a tool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And without it, I wouldn't be. 
um, yeah, we wouldn't be talking together and I, I wouldn't have had much of the work that I have had over the years. Um, but yeah, there's the, there is the side of it of, of, that, of reaching for fame or for yeah, sponsorship or, or, or those types of things. Uh, I try not to play those games. Obviously, you saw me through a sponsored, um, a sponsored link. And that's been working quite well for me um, in the way that uh, advertisements on other platforms don't. Uh, Instagram seems to just find the find a good audience for me, really. It's quite it's it's kind of magical in that sense. <laughs> Smart algorithms. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I also think it's about. So I. If I post my own work on Instagram, it gets some attention. Uh, but people aren't as interested as, as they are if I post something that can also be about them. What do you, you mean? Know what I mean? So, mm. so like if I if I post my own work, right. it, people will engage with it a little bit, and I'll get some likes, and someone will say that's a nice photograph that you've made. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If I post something like the PDF that you saw, um, you know, like a guide for a, for my audience um, on how they can make their photography better, people right. are much, much, much more interested in that. So mm. over time, I'm learning what people want from me on Instagram, which is a strange thing. It's almost like people are they're not they're not interested in the news or the things that I've covered, <laughs> they're interested in how they can make their own oh, stuff man. better. I mean, I mean, uh, for 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 me, that makes that makes perfect sense. Like, yeah, news news is something you read about happening that that happens to someone else. You know, like you never think that you're going to be in a car accident, for example. Like that just happens to other people. You read about it when you go yeah. to social media. You're looking for something that you can gain something from. So like it, it the, both Facebook and Instagram and everything, like you're part of groups that gain you something. You follow people that make you feel something. So all of these things, it, like it, it is a transaction that you expect that you will get something from this person that you follow. So if they are just talking about themselves all the time, unless they have absolutely killer work, why would you follow them? You're not getting anything from it. Do you think that your work, the stuff that you've done, the documentary style news sort of perspective, I guess, on on the, the subjects that you've done, is that something that is a little bit too in-depth for a quick scroll and like medium that, that, that Instagram is or that Facebook is even? So, like, is there a type of work that you would work towards a social media versus towards a a news outlet or magazine if you want to be a a gear review writer for example you might not put the full length thing on instagram because you just want to have a kick-ass picture and someone likes it and that's the interaction while a news media outlet you want to have someone staying there for as long as possible yeah yeah i think you're right i I try not to post very long captions on Instagram. And I have also noticed that um, 
the more aesthetic the image, the the more people are interested in it. So, for example, if I'm posting something that is not that pretty, but has high informational value that then has to go in a caption, it's not the place for it in, on, on Instagram. Um, but also, I've, I've found that you know the the documentary work I've made over the years has it. it well, I, I hope it's had a lot of um, benefit for the people that I've covered. So um, these are normally not the people that are going to see it on Instagram. These these are a lot of the people that I've covered are marginalised or hidden away, or maybe a lot of the people in Southeast Asia I covered don't have internet. You know, they live in bamboo huts, and that's not me thinking in derogatory terms towards them. That's just their reality. Um, or they've been the migrants or they've suffered genocide or um, or it's people in, in trenches in Ukraine fighting Russian invasion. So they are not interested in social media. But what I do hope is that over the years, it's it's given it, it's brought some awareness to their their cause or their plight. But on the on the flip side now, in, in terms of perhaps teaching some of these methods to other filmmakers and photographers i hope that i can offer some value to a whole different audience in a whole different way and i'm only just learning how to do that yeah 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 and it's, it's something that you're and i again we're talking about recently was um sort of the role of the photojournalist particularly when it comes to the likes of those fringe uh sort of subcultures and things and I suppose by their very nature, they're they're kind of inaccessible or very difficult for the general public to understand. And I think the the the, the language and the sort of the skill set of a photojournalist or a writer or a journalist is is to be able to bring that subculture or that sort of fringe sort of uh, yeah culture into the 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 spotlight of the general public to try and maybe get a more understanding of, of what these people are. And one person that I think um, this springs to mind, although not maybe the traditional sort of journalist or photojournalist or that, that kind of you would think is Ed Stafford um, who, you know, and I think he's one, a really interesting person who puts himself in a very, in very precarious situations. And it's, again, it's something that you've, you've spoken about is sort of in like, uh, injecting yourself into a subculture for a prolonged period of time to the point where they will trust you, that they will allow you some sort of insight. Um, I mean, Ed Stafford has spent 60 days alone on the desert Island. He spent 60 days homeless on the streets of I believe it was London and in Glasgow or Edinburgh. And recently, and it's sort of a crossover with yourself's work, with your work spike is right now he's, uh, there's a, there's a, I think it's a four part or five part series on the on channel four, where he spent 60 days living with, uh, gypsies in throughout Britain. I think that's really cool. And I think it's something that, uh, speaks to your work as well is that you have injected yourself into, um, subcultures for a long enough time that they allow you access to their world. And I think it kind of screams in the face of that immediate gratification that we're talking about with the likes of Instagram or the quick read or the sort of snappy headline. It's like the reality is the person that created this work has had to 
invest a huge chunk of their own life into capturing that story and that audience and that uh yeah that that narrative yeah ed stafford's a great example i love that guy so i'd love to meet him one day he's awesome he's a he's a really cool guy i've met him a few times and we've actually interviewed him on this podcast uh really really cool guy but um i just love his his ability to use himself as a medium to tell other people's stories you know yeah 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 he's a great guy and i I also feel like it there's bruce parry as well i mean he 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 was doing this stuff at a long long time ago wasn't he inserting himself into um i'm not, I'm not familiar with oh you ha- you don't know bruce parry no i don't oh man you would love that guy oh my goodness that prepare for your new addiction i'm afraid okay bruce parry let me bruce i'm gonna google parry. it right now <laughs> his latest documentary is is re- much slower than he, he, the stuff he began making for i think it was bbc but he used to go live with tribes in the oh, jungles and right stuff. okay I'm sure there's like people listening to this podcast that are screaming at me for not knowing who Bruce Parry is. <laughs> I'm really sorry, but you know, hey, look, you learn something new every day, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it, you're you're right. It is that it, it's taking it's taking. I feel like we keep coming back to this um, point. Perhaps it's about taking the time to um, do things correctly, having the patience to find that group. Um, and gain their trust and live with them for a little bit if you can and it's the same as taking that time to to dovetail your your career with your old vocation um it's about time and patience isn't it really and it those are two things that i have none of so it's it's not easy for me either. <laughs> i hate it <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not speaking from any sort of platform here right now. I'm the same. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but how? Um, yeah, absolutely. But it, it is really interesting with the sort of work that you do. And in the PDF, you mentioned you went to a group in Texas that you spent a lot of time with, and then you were invited to their house and got to learn more about them and all of these things. And does it? From, from that perspective, I mean, you, you did your research and you saw that there was a story there to be told in one way, in one shape way, in one way or another. Is it because that people in fringe is not the necessarily wrong, uh, right term to use, but is it that people in these groups might not necessarily have the capability themselves to tell their own story in a way that is doesn't become too niche and too i'm making quotation marks nerdy here so it needs to be someone from the outside with a perspective of maybe what the general public would find interesting that creates a good story because you don't often see people within the um Ed Stafford is, of course, an a, 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 um, exception to that to that uh, rule, I guess. You don't often see people that are fully embedded in something that makes absolutely kick-ass documentaries about the Texas survivalist group that you made, for example. It's often someone from the outside that managed to capture the essence of it, not the people within the community, if that yeah. makes sense. It's a that's a good point. As you're talking, I'm trying to think of an example from within a community who's made work on their 
and I can't. I'm sure there are, but I, but I mean, you, ha- you have you have hosts like Ray Mears that have done a really good job on on bringing the outdoors to a whole bunch of people in the well. U- UK and indigenous tribes and in in, in everywhere. But he, <clears throat> it's more of a host rather than a documentary filmmaker. Right, it's not like the hard hitting question, or not like not like trying to no. find the the narrative within it. It's just like this is the people, this is the way that they hunt, this is the way that they uh, build their shelters, etc. And yeah, I think what you're talking about there, Yermis, is a bit like like the the prepper group, for example, um, in Texas. I would imagine that like they're probably seen as quite a you know it's quite difficult to communicate with it with a with a a culture like that without sort of getting too bogged down into sort of the the tropes of well they're just like conspiracy theorists or prep you know and 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 I think the ability of someone who who has a sympathetic ear and and the ability to articulate um that narrative I think like that that's that's kind of the skill of the journalist isn't it yeah perhaps perhaps what's necessary is is the context of distance I think mm. so. For example, I wonder what I wonder what what am I into? I like uh, outside of journalism. I like running and I like swimming and stuff like that. So, but I don't I, I don't think I'd be able to write a story on myself doing those. Or maybe I could, but I, it would probably be crap. I reckon someone <laughs> else from outside would do a better job of writing about me. You know what I mean? I uh, so with mm, the sur- mm. survivalists, yeah, yeah. I don't think with that Texas militia group I hung out with. I don't think they were all they were all educated. And they were very clever people, but I don't think right. they had the. I think they were too close to their subject to be able to. Yeah. Yeah. Find what was interesting. Yeah, no, I guess I that's that's the that's the term I was I was looking for. Like, are often too close, to like the an outdoors subject, group, yeah. like. Uh, the bushcraft community or whatnot are we too close to our own subject to be yeah. able to really be able uh, you know show people the beauty of it or you know being able to tell other people not just the bushcraft aspect of everything but just being outdoors is the the one already what's the what's the term i'm looking for is the is the one that's already within quotation marks, saved by the outdoors, is that the wrong type of person to tell everyone how great the outdoors is? Is it right. someone that is coming it's from the outside asking relevant questions that is like, yeah, skeptic. Is that the one that's like, oh, right, you know, this is how it is objectively, not someone saying this is how good it is. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But also I, in any topic, I, I think there's countless narratives. So it just depends on... So if I was going to, the story that I wanted to make about the survivalists, the Texas militia, was about their social makeup, you know, and their motivations, really, I guess. But that's interesting to my audience as an outsider, because I can look in as an outsider. And, and really what it boils down to, to is is me saying, this is kind of weird. Uh, these people live an alternative lifestyle but actually they're really nice really that that's really what we're what i'm saying but if they're going to make a story on their group on their survivalism they're going to be talking about um 
making your own bullets and calibers of weapons and how to waterproof uh, combat boots uh, for their audience, that would be really interesting. So, you know what I mean? I just think it's, it just depends on who you are and who your audience is um, because there's so many stories around each topic. Yeah. And I think that's the very much like a photographer does. Um, you know, you, you can be presented with a, a massive scene, a streetscape and your ability to see the connection between a, a you know, a woman in a pink dress and a, and a chihuahua uh, is able to, <laughs> able to frame this tiny little moment on a, on a massive sort of streetscape, I think uh, is the, is the beauty of photography and the ability to be able to like hone in on a particular frame. And I think it's very much the same thing with a photo, with a journalist. Um, like you said, it's like, there's a million and different one topics that we could talk about. And, you're right in the sense that uh, a journalist is able to find a story within the vast sort of, <laughs> you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's the key. That's the key. A good journalist. And I don't consider myself a good journalist, a good reporter, you know, as as we know reporters are in the classic sense, you know, the, the guy with the notepad and, and pushing really hard questions. I'm not good at that stuff, but. But yeah, one of those guys who's who's on on the ball there, or, or girls, of course, uh, can can figure out the the most important emotional truth. You know, the the kernel of story that should be highlighted. It's a real it's a real skill. Yeah. It is, and I I'm really bad at it as well. I'm thinking about four, forty five different things at once and trying to bring them together. But uh, no, it's it's a, it's a it's a beautiful skill set, but would you have any advice for someone who obviously they can read the PDF that, and there's a huge amount of advice in there. And for anybody who's listening, I recommend you click on the link in within this podcast and, and kind of, and, and give it a read. But and do you mean in terms of how do you publish work around that topic? I, 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 I guess you're not even getting to this, to the, to the point of publishing. It's just like a guy that works. I don't know, like, as a as a construction worker, for example, who loves being outside and and wants to, how do you carve yourself a niche for that? If, if somebody who wants to write, who wants to photograph, who wants to make a career out of being outside, discovering new places, like where do you even start? Like you know, it's 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 insurmountable for a lot of people. I'd say, I'd say, uh, be honest with yourself and ask what you want out of out of that hobby or profession so for example if you're that construction worker and you really like hiking uh but and you like photographing the mountain landscape or something um and you know what do you want to do with those photographs do you want to just put them not just neither of these options is better than the other no judgment from my my part do you want them for instagram do you want to make landscape uh, do you want to make prints out of them and, and perhaps put them in a gallery or do you want to make um, a narrative story and put it in a magazine or do you want to make a film and put it in a um, on a website and are you financially motivated also you know the former are of course quite straightforward you know if you're just making work it boils down to if you're just making work for yourself then you're the only person that you have to please 
and it's quite a nice way to be making work because because then it, there's a lot less pressure and you can just lose yourself in artistic um, exploration, which is a beautiful thing. So honestly, in that PDF as well, that's why I emphasize making work for yourself before you start pitching it is because as soon as you've pitched or as soon as it's an assignment, you're not in artistic exploration anymore because there's pressure or because you feel watched um, and the outcome matters. If you're just making it for yourself, it's a really nice place to be. Um, if you want to publish, then the key is quite simple. Well, you need quality work, of course, but the key to publishing and the key to, for, for me, the key has been to find your own niche in a saturated market. Because my, my market is saturated also. My market is humanitarian or conflict. A little bit of outdoor stuff. I've done stuff with Outside Magazine. Is finding a frame for that work that nobody else has. Finding that narrative thread to that work that no one else has. So here's a similar example again. Earlier we spoke about climbing Snowden, right? If you climbed Snowden and photographed it and, and sent it to um, a, a, an adventure magazine, they wouldn't maybe look twice. But Wim Hof will climb a mountain that size without shoes or socks. And that's interesting. You know, Ewan McGregor, will ride a motorcycle around the world and that's not really that interesting except it's Ewan McGregor but it will do it on an electric motorcycle and that's interesting so it's like it's it's like you can do what everyone else is doing but if you do it in a way that's t like totally new or totally your own then it becomes publishable and interesting to an audience that's that it's being imaginative to find that hook it is. It is. Yeah. Uh, I. I. It, it. It. makes perfect sense. I, I. I. And I also love the fact that you emphasize the work for yourself, and you're. 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 You're going to be the only critic because it's. I guess it's sort of, almost, giving a finger to the to the uh, idea that everything that you do right now has to be published on social media, whether it's your breakfast or your foot rub or your campfire, like everything, <laughs> which is fine. Like uh, all, all yeah. those things are completely yeah. fine, but it's, it's, it's nice to hear someone of, of your experience and everything to be like, you know, it's fine to just do stuff for yourself. You don't have to try and make everything financially viable so that every photo you take needs to be like a money shot that can pay the bills kind of thing sometimes it's just like whatever you do you do you if you don't post it it's okay you'll live you'll survive you'll move forward and you'll maybe learn something from it it's very very nice but at the same time it is interesting with we, we had we talked about this a little bit before of how much can you push the new not extreme is the wrong term to use i guess but a different angle on the same story because if we use that uh hike in the mountains three-day hike in the mountain if 
either me or Porig would, would do that and take photos and write something, it would probably be a completely different thing than if you would do it. So like, it it is still, the same thing could still be saturated even if it is extreme, even if Wim Hof would do it, it would still like, what's the, ne- what, 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 what is the next thing that would have to be more cool to, for it to be worth writing a story about? Like, are we going to reach a point, whether it's in the outdoors or in conflict journalism, where it's like, oh, we already know that or heard about that. Conflict journalism is maybe a, 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 the wrong uh, example to use because it's so, so horrible. And, there's so many things that we probably don't know sitting in our safe house here in northern Sweden. But yeah, if you if you understand my 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 sort of thought process, I do. Like, what, um, you're kind of saying at some point in the future, nothing is original, right? Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, I know. I I I have the same thoughts myself as well. But. Uh, well, I don't know. It's either nothing's original or we'll forget or we'll just always be able to do things that are better or different. I don't think we're there yet. Or maybe we are. What, how, how do you think in your space? How, how is it in adventure and, and the outdoors? I mean, from, from, from my perspective, it is extremely interesting. If we use this Wim Hof, for example, I, th- I think it's, it's a brilliant analogy of, of this because it's sort of, encompass the fantastic of everything but also the sort of how far should we push the uh, human race i guess for being someone that has done something new like i don't know i don't know if you if you guys watch the the uh, nims no. documentary the uh, the uh, it's it's a fantastic documentary about a guy that climbs all the uh, eight thousand meter peaks oh, in seven by, months. Um, like previous record was four, four, yeah, 14 yeah. years. By uh, Jimmy Chin, right? But that that is a worthy story. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Jimmy Chin uh, was a producer of it, and it's it's an amazing, amazing story, and it's hundred percent worth uh, doing that fantastic documentary about and writing about and all of these things. But is 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 there is there i guess my thought more than just originality is there a point where people might mistake the joy of for example being outside of having to perform at such a high level all the time to actually become something or is it okay to be the weekend yeah. walker i think one of the important things about that documentary and it's the same with let's say because you mentioned jimmy chin there um free solo for example i think the emphasis or the the character within that narrative is always has in in both of those cases is sort of the the emphasis of the story is the person where they came from the type of person that they are the, the kind of the idiosyncrasies yeah, of their true. personalities and the quirks of their sort of lifestyle i think uh sort of tell the story and it just happens to be that person that you connect to that is just happens to be achieving this amazing thing and i think uh that can be sort of the angle that 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 needs to be played i think we we love stories about people you know the personalities we get attached to person to persons i mean like any sort of hbo like a freaking you know uh anything like and hate to like bring it back to like sort of 
regular culture, but like, let's say like Sopranos or like Breaking Bad or whatever, like we like the person and they could be doing amazing things. They could be doing horrible things, but the, the character is the person that we sort of like, you know, identify with. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think you're correct. I think the, uh, the, in the individual character or narrative has a huge part to play, but I also, Jeremiah, I see what you're saying as well. If it, it, if it just keeps, keeps becoming bigger and better and more, more fantastic and costing more money being more dangerous then it's also at some point the audience will become um anesthetized to that so an example that i thought of when you were talking is there's a guy who takes it the other way do you know um, you must do he's called alistair humphreys english dude yeah i know i know who that is I, i followed him for a very long time and i i i really 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 appreciate everything that he's doing yeah so he does these little micro adventures, doesn't he? Yeah, he's like the antidote to all of this. Yeah, and it's valid, and I and it, and he does a, yeah. he does lovely stuff. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's interesting. Yeah, he's, in he's it. really good at it. Yeah, it still has interest though. Uh, but I, I guess I guess yeah. When 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 you when you said his name and what what Porg was talking about, it's often about the people. I guess it's. That perspective, um, the power of journalism or stories or however you want to frame it is, I guess, about the people. So that three-day hike in the mountains that we uh, loosely talked about a little bit, of course, if you just take a few pictures of the landscape and write something very mundane, it might be extremely boring and not be of interest for anyone except your immediate family. But if you all of a sudden start talking about your background, the reason how you came there, if it was for mental health reasons that you ended up there and it's really good for you, you know, all of these things, then all of a sudden it becomes a story that is maybe a little bit more relatable and valuable without you having to be the Wim Hof walking up barefoot that mountain. But it still has the same punch, if you will, uh, of a story. Yeah. So maybe that originality is is in people rather than the activity or the the uh, feature of the adventure. Yeah, I think so. It's like the book Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. It's a it it's a travel book, isn't it? But and but actually, the travel side of that book is super boring. He he doesn't travel any real exciting terrain. But the the exciting journey that he goes on is is inside. Yeah, so I think you're right. I think I think yeah, it could be from a mental health aspect. That's just for me. That's just as interesting. And when you when you mentioned that you said that three day hike in the mountains, my my question was in my mind. Well, what's in the mountains? You know, like in the mountains, it could be physical things. It could be you encounter a bear or you lose i don't know you you get frostbite or or you just have a really nice time but it also could be what's in the mountains could be yeah mental salvation or wrestling with demons or overcoming uh you know yeah and, and another book i've read recently is um a, a dutchman uh what's it? i have his book right here let me just but it's uh tim vores 
and the, the name of the book is The Great Alone. And he walked the um, Pacific Crest Trail. And, you know, hundreds of people walk the Pacific Crest Trail every day or every year, rather. So, like, you know, is there still a book to be written about walking the Pacific Crest Trail? But actually, everybody's story on that trail is unique. And him being a Dutch guy, leaving his three kids and his and his wife back in the Netherlands, being uh, somebody who is a creative director in a sort of a very high energy sort of lifestyle, to be able to put himself on the Pacific Crest Trail and hang out with, you know, hippies and, you know, guys in their 20s and 30s smoking weed <laughs> and whatever. Um, but it's a really interesting story. The guy's in his 40s and he decided to go and walk the trail and, you know, I think, I think we should be better at, uh, yeah, just like bringing the person into those stories. Cause I think we just, I, I really do think that we identify with the person more than the story more often than not. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. The thing that stuck out there for me was left his wife and three kids. Like that's it. That's right. interesting. Like, and then you think, mm-hmm. well, why did he need to do that? No, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And and that's that's the crux of the book, you know. He's literally a lot of the book is centered around him missing his family at home. It's not about the trail. It's about oh well, I'd try to get to the highest point I could on the trail that day so that I could turn on my phone for fifteen minutes, talk to my son. He was telling me about his math homework or whatever it might be, <laughs> you know. And and but that's the story, and I think that's beautiful, you know. Yeah, that that is nice. That is nice. I mean, and there you go. That's a that's a valid frame. I mean, I yeah, it's it's super interesting. I'm I'm and, I, and I'm sorry if 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 this whole sort of conversation is sort of just reiterating everything that you think about on a daily basis. It's nothing new on the sun, but it's super interesting to hear someone's sort of, I guess, professional <laughs> perspective on on all of these things and thoughts around it because I think yeah. there's so yeah. many things that we that might not necessarily have the goals the same as yours of working within the within the industry as the same as you do but being able to or pick maybe even pick not getting brain. published yeah whatever. exactly but being able to pick the brain of someone that is working within the field and asking all these maybe silly questions is always super worth worth it because like this, 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 the the survivalist, the the militia group that you were to, you mentioned that the interesting thing that you took from there was that they were nice people. So of course, ev- anyone can write a, a a piece, anyone within quotation marks, and write a piece about a militia group or a prepper group or survivalist group, and that being the 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 the, the group in itself and not going into an individual level of them being actually people behind that group, behind that, that patch or behind that name, whatever that, that is. And it's sort of, for me, all of these things that we've discussed is taking it back to like being not, not don't, don't try to be larger than you are when you are trying to reach your audience, whether you're an instructor or in marketing or whatnot, be personal because that's where sort of the story lies, whether you think that you're interesting or not. That's not the point. Someone someone else might think that what you do is interesting. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, there's an audience for, 
for everything. It's just finding them. But I agree. I think vulnerability goes a long way in terms of getting people to trust you. And as a, well, for me as a documentary guy, having people trust the story or the content or the narrative is really important. And then also for, you know, beginning to uh, coach people a little bit, having trust is really valuable. People trusting that I'm not telling them to quit their job and <laughs> go and live in a box, you know. Um, but I think for everybody, yeah, vulnerability is, 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 is a character trait that people warm to, isn't it? It it is it is for sure and and it's, I from this is as I this this just came into my head for whatever reason it's gonna pass if I don't ask the question. You're working within conflict journalism and their vulnerability, like you're coming into people's lives when they might be at their most vulnerable uh, place on that they've ever experienced, and you're there taking photos or asking questions like how does a journalist like yourself uh, match that vulnerability without becoming too I don't know what the what the right word I'm looking for is but maybe it is um, without you sort of exploiting their uh, vulnerability for a story if that makes sense like how how can you match that or do you have to sort of separate that completely when you're going into the trenches of Ukraine, for example? Um, well, you match it automatically. And out of out of a really hard scenario comes, comes something that's um, uh, really powerful and positive between me or the other journalist um, and the person that you're spending time with um, because uh, I recognize that they're vulnerable but in the in the example of the Ukrainians and this this is current right now um, you know you recognize that their land is being taken away and you recognize that their village is being shelled and you recognize that perhaps they haven't got any food and it's cold and, and all these terrible things, then they recognize that I'm there to spend time with them and tell their story. And no one else is doing that for that particular person. Perhaps there's other journalists, you know, practically close by, but um, well, in fact, when I was there, there was not, it was just, um, it was just me. Um, so, but they also recognize, you know, I don't have health insurance. I don't have a way out. I don't have a vehicle. I don't have um, a helicopter to fly me to a doctor if I get hit with something. Um, I don't have any food. I don't have any, you know what I mean? So they're looking at me seeing, also seeing my vulnerability to get to them. So I'm so, in those scenarios, I'm so reliant on the local people to give me some of their food that they don't have enough of anyway, or to the army battalion to drive me back away from the front line. But if the army battalion is attacked, which they always are, 
they can't get me out. Um, so we but so we both recognize each other's vulnerability in that place and time. And right there where we're in that time and when I'm with those people, I don't feel like a journalist. I feel like just a person who's witnessing or going through the same thing. Because when they're when they're mortared at night, I'm also mortared at night and we feel the same emotions. It's terrifying. So I feel what they feel. Um I don't know. I, I hope that answers. <laughs> oh yeah, hundred percent. It, it uh, yeah, it's super interesting. Like I said, it was just sort of a spur of the moment question that I got from from when we're talking now because it is it is one thing that it is it, it's sometimes you see it with some really really good journalists where they are asking and they it, good questions in conflict zones, for example. But then you see some journalists that might not be as good at it, and it becomes like this sort of almost very unpersonal, just get the story as quick as possible kind of thing. So that's why I was like wondering if, where, how, how can you even match that? But it make it makes perfect sense what you're saying. Like you're 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 there on not necessarily the similar terms, but you're in the you're you're in that same spot as as they are, not going back to a hotel or anything like that in the afternoon or evening. Yeah, no, no. And often wearing, you know, we're all wearing Russian bullet armor. So we have the same we're often wearing the same equipment. And hotels don't exist there, so it's sleeping underground with whichever battalion you're with in in you know plywood shelves still in bullet armor next to the guy who you were videoing earlier in the day and his gun i think um i think what happens when you see journalism from those places that doesn't feel as good i think money maybe plays a part in it because if you have enough money to get yourself into that place and then get yourself out you're going to try it's a terrifying place to be so you're going to try and do it as fast as you can but what you need or what i feel is necessary in those places to build and transmit that empathy is time so if you've gone in there in the morning you know and tried to get out in the afternoon you're rushing through your day if you've gone in there and you're not on assignment with cnn you have no way out so you have to stay there and spend that time and that's what gives it its mm. um, authenticity. Trust, yeah, authenticity. Thanks. Yeah, that's the way to do it. But but it's tiring. And <laughs> over the years, I feel say the like least. I, I'm sure. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Yeah, that's fucking weight, man. There's a weight to it. That's why Ed Stafford <laughs> looks so old. Yeah, but I mean, you if you voluntarily plunk yourself on an island for sixty days. Uh, it's gonna happen. <laughs> you know, you're gonna yeah. lose your hair. You know, but but I think yeah. that's really beautiful, man. And I think yeah. uh, it's 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 heavy, man. It's heavy. And I, I wasn't actually expecting to kind of to kind of uh, pursue those sort of uh, those topics and stuff within this conversation. But I'm really glad that we have. Um, and I think again, it comes back to like you said, it's about spending the time necessary to that you know giving the weight and the time and the energy that these things deserve and i think in a in a world where we want quick wins um it's just it's it's just not relevant is it 
Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it the quick wins are uh, attractive, but they should be avoided because they don't amount to authenticity and quality work. Jeremias, earlier you mentioned um, Instagram and posting um, in the moment. I think all of the stuff that I post on Instagram is probably six months old because I, th- I feel like if, if you're looking for that quick win, that like, um, it's uh, even if you're only posting to Instagram, you're not making work for yourself. You're making work for Instagram, the, the Instagram. Yeah. And there's a pressure to it. And yeah. it's, for me, it's not enjoyable. No. So there's also, I, I, yeah. And there's also something yeah. I've heard recently, um, again, a, a graph designer that I'm, uh, really fond of um john contino and he kind of says that like uh he's he's glad that instagram wasn't around when he started out as a graphic designer because a lot of the work he did when he was like you know 20 like 22 23 was like kind of shit and he's kind of glad he's kind of glad that it doesn't exist online because this infinite gratification of posting your work online the whole time um yeah it's probably not relevant because in six months or a year down the line if you're not looking back in your work from three years ago and thinking i could have done that better then uh well first you're not progressing and second you're you're kind of yeah i think you're naive because nobody should be everybody should be progressing and i think that you're right it's like not not putting your work out there constantly all the time instantly as soon as you produce it i think is a discipline that we should get better at doing but um but spike i'm gonna leave you there because it's been a really really interesting conversation i'm thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today um literally in the face of the the thing we just said but like is there anything that you're working on right now that you're kind of uh, really interested in or really engaged with um i'm doing a lot of i'm doing coaching a bit and i'm really enjoying it that that's okay that's one topic i'm I'm helping others along that are a little uh, a little newer to the journey um and for myself i'm i'm working on pieces about um transhumanism so that's the pursuit of immortality uh and i'm trying to i'm trying to get a little bit more take my own advice and work slower and get a little bit more less literal um so yeah uh, you know and just keep uh, keep exercising and maybe make a piece that focuses on me doing some sporting event that, that is know. the most cryptic <laughs> answer i've ever had to any question i've ever asked <laughs> yeah that's good though transhumanism and uh, yeah and a no, I love sporting it, event uh, yeah i I hate giving uh, I hate giving uh, concrete things away because I feel like I'm jinxing myself. Uh, no, uh, that's that that's super fair. Yeah. I do have um, I do have uh, one one more question that related a little bit to what you just mentioned in the beginning, and it is a super little small thing that I think a lot of people are often battling when they're going into the outdoors, and you're sort of coming around that to the other side now and you were saying that you're sort of streamlining your stuff now to find the enjoyment that you had when you were beginning and i think maybe it's not even a question i just think that it's a very very nice thing to hear someone say those things that has over a decade of experience 
in any industry, there's like you get to a point where you know all the stuff that you have is almost making it harder for you to work because of all the stuff that you have to do. So you have to find the the joy, I guess, in doing it a more simple way, for lack of a better term, to get back to the roots, if you will. Yeah, that's exactly it. Through the through the career, it's been a progression from. 35 one 35 millimeter film camera to digital a digital camera to then carrying two digital still cameras to then um to then video and now people really want two camera interview setups you know and then and then people want you to shoot drone stuff on the same project and then you've got to record sound and then they want stuff for social media along the way so it's just it's it's been snowballing a little bit in terms of what is requested of me um and and I, i've also found I, I i've seen a pattern in what i can pitch and what is um what is what what there is interest in and i've published a lot of that type of work uh and i well, yeah i just want to do something a little bit different so probably going back to my film camera a bit back to those double exposures that you were talking about earlier taking a bit of a deep breath and working on something that's a bit more existential and a little bit more philosophical less and this is the transhumanism it's 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 a um perhaps a comment on well an exploration of of mortality um and i've faced these mortality uh, or, or feelings of being very mortal, for example, in Ukraine. So this is a look at like, well, what do other people do around the, the idea of mortality? And um, let's look at this a bit more philosophically than than the literal stuff I have been making for news media. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And carry less That's equipment. So <laughs> goddamn interesting, man. So are you are you shooting with a with an analog camera or? Yeah, I shoot with a. Nice. For the people who are interested in equipment, I shoot with a, a Nikon FM2, which is mm, the same old school. age as me. I love it. Yeah, old school. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. I, I, I'm shooting with a, I think you're me, so you have a, or you have a couple of lenses, don't you, from a an old Minolta right now that you're using? Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Analog is fun, man. Yeah. But, uh, Spike, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us, man. It's been an absolute yeah, pleasure. Yeah, thanks to talk a lot. Yeah, it's it's a really it's been a really insightful, beautiful, long form conversation that uh, I, all I think over all all over the place conversation. Yeah, I love yeah, it. Yeah, I, I I think I needed that this week. It was it was really nice to talk to you, man. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you too for having me on. I really appreciate it. You've uh, talking about this stuff with people like yourselves kind of gives me uh, inspiration along the way and you have you had some great questions thank you mm-hmm.